Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. A new satanic panic is coming around, and I want to talk about this. Yes, the QAnon thing seems to be kicking it back up. This is from NBC News. The satanic panic of the 90s is making a comeback, they say, fueled by QAnon (laughs) believers and GOP influencers. The GOP panic of the 90s, I mean, the satanic panic (laughs) of the 90s, was one that I wasn't really, I only caught the tailwind of it, right? Because I was very young. Yeah, I was too young, but I did see um, a lot of people who went on to become my friends being demonized as devil worshipers and stuff like that, just because, you know, they wore like Marilyn Manson t shirts or Mm -hmm. they were, they looked gothic or they wore baggy pants and, you know, band t shirts and all that. And they were accused of being devil. It was never Satanists. That was never what they were called back then. It was always okay. devil worshippers for whatever reason. And I, I watched some of these people who, again, later went on to become my friends. I was too young then to know who they were or anything, but they were kicked out of a, a public baseball field that, you know, some little kids were playing at. They were there skateboarding or something like that. One of them even had a little brother who was on the team, but because their shirt had like Marilyn Manson and Antichrist Superstar on there, someone legitimately called the police on these dudes. Wow. This was, was in Mississippi? Yeah. And they were like, hey, this is public, this is private property, which is true, and you have to leave. And it was just a bizarre scene of watching these grown adults just attacking verbally these teenagers, mocking them and saying, you know, I don't care who you worship. That's not what this is about or whatever. But there was no other justification for it, no other basis for it. They weren't wearing offensive T-shirts. They were just, it was Marilyn Manson Mm T-shirts. Now, you were in uh, the Bible Belt, right? Northern Mississippi. Yes. Okay. That was in a place called Pogueville. Uh, Is that supposed to mean something? No, it's just, I mean, it sounds like a a podunk redneck (laughs) place, right? Pogueville. Yeah. Named after John Pogue. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) So these are baseless accusations. They're branding people as Satanist pedophiles. Uh, I I don't know why it always, I don't know why pedophiles always get brought up in Satanism, but it does. Just Yeah, because there's never been a religious, like a uh, organized religious pedophile. Oh, wait, the Catholic Church. Yeah, the Catholic Church is big (laughs) on that. It's almost always Christians who are doing weird stuff with kids when it comes to these organized religious people. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know of too many Satanists that are. David Leavitt was up for re-election. Uh, and again, that is the prosecuting attorney. Evidently, they're elected in this in Utah. Utah County voters would start casting ballots the next week. And the allegations, ridiculous as they may have sounded, has started to spread online and through the community. And it probably could have cost cost him the election. Some of Levis' most high-profile political opponents were willing to at least wink at the allegations against them. And they go into some unimportant stuff here. Levis ended up losing the election, most likely not just because of the allegations against him, but because of his liberal style of prosecution. I mean, they, they, they have no idea why he lost the election. It could have been because of his liberal style of prosecution, as you they never say. Know. And it could have been because... he. People believed he was a satanic pedophile. There's- uh, unless you do a lot of exit polling, you really don't know why people voted for a person. Absolutely. It's very, very bold of them to assume they know why this guy lost. Mm-hmm. But the allegations impact on Leave It remained clear after decades of serving as a city and county attorney with grander plans for public office. Leave It now doesn't think he'll run again. The cost is too high, he said recently in an interview from his home. 
Liebman's experience is one of a spate of recent examples in which individuals have been targeted with accusations of Satanism or so-called ritualistic abuse. This is I struggled to watch shows that were set in the 90s and the early 2000s, especially horror movies and things like that, because that, that phrase, religious, satanic, ritualistic abuse, it's beat to death in the early 90s mm. and early 2000s television and movies. I don't know why, but it's all over the place. And it's irritating as a Satanist who has never witnessed any sort of ritual abuse like this. And mm-hmm. all of which, you know, we've heard rumors about this ritual abuse pretty much my entire life. And it's always been debunked and disproven. But people still trot it out there like it's like it's a thing. And that's what we're seeing today. Right. Most uh, Satanists, as I understand it, having heard a thing or two about it from you yeah. uh, as the founder of the Reformed Satanic Church here in Keene. Right. Uh, most Satanists are not worshipers of the devil. They right. are not actually, many of them don't even believe in the Christian concept of Satan per se. It's more of a humanistic thing, isn't it? Many of them are more humanists, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I diverge from them along those lines because they tend to be more liberal and more humans are gods. And I understand the reason behind that, but they get carried away in the ego and they come to believe that they're omnipotent and that, mm. you know, <laughs> th- their wish, their will, their wishes are best represented in this mythical entity called democracy and it manifests itself in the state. And oh, so wow. they, they sort of project themselves into the government and we are government and we are gods and we can do whatever and anything we do that's is creepy. automatically just. It's, it's Well, if just, that's true, then maybe it's true that this guy who worked for the government is a Satanist of that ilk. I'm not seeing the connection between what this Levitt guy is accused of and the QAnon conspiracy theories. What they're talking about here, and it takes a, this article is way too long. It's not worth getting into all of it. I just find the, the resurgence of a satanic panic to be interesting. They go on, witch hunts have traditionally been associated with courts, even the kangaroo kind, but today always the kangaroo kind. And the le- <laughs> legitimate courts don't what other do kind witch are hunts. There? Yeah. But today the accused can be branded Satanist pedophiles at the speed of the internet. That's twice within this article that they use the phrase the speed of the internet. I don't, mm. I don't think Weird. they're as clever, clever as they think they are, but moving along, online accusers can bypass police, therapists, and the traditional media and out their alleged abusers straight to audiences of millions. I think that's exaggerating the random, yeah. That's the average a, person with an allegation to make doesn't have an audience of millions. No. I mean, we we've been on this radio show for you know a couple of decades now, and we don't have an audience of millions. No, I mean, certainly not. You've got to be a pretty big name influencer to get that level of influence. They go on. The 80s and 90s were terrifying, and they ruined people's lives, but they were constrained in certain ways by network technologies. That that's fundamentally untrue just look up the west memphis three i think they're still in prison for a murder that they happen to be adjacent to and one of them was mentally incompetent there's there's rumors that he was you know uh retarded i don't know the specifics but the west memphis three were thrown in prison for an unrelated murder murder largely because of the satanic panic you know they were accused of being satanists and it was ritualistic murder so they didn't do it but they went to prison for it. i don't think they did it Mm. but you know there's uh, the, the police investigation was certainly botched from beginning to end. And mm-hmm. there, there's been a large push in the rock community pretty much my, not my entire life, but as long as I've been listening to rock music to get the West Memphis Three released because there doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be very much evidence they did it. And it was largely as a result of the satanic panic of the 90s. 
So the rumors regarding David Levitt here, they started on YouTube. The county prosecutor. Yes. Who now lost his election. He lost his election. And Re-election. He's, he's blaming it on these rumors instead of mm-hmm. saying, or the fact that he had a progressive voting record, whatever the hell that means, because they didn't specify. Well, he also said he was a Republican progressive, yeah. which is kind of a weird combo. I had pulled up some more information about this uh, from the Salt Lake Tribune, published back in June. They say that there's a certain file in a case involving a therapist that includes a witness statement from this woman who describes in graphic detail a ritualistic sex abuse, murder, and cannibalism cult that she says she witnessed when she was a child. And apparently Levitt and his wife are named in that undated 151-page report accusing him of sexual abuse and participating in the ritualistic killing. Yeah, which sounds alarming, but if you go back to the 90s and the satanic panic, then these sorts of claims were common, and they were all, they were always proven to be false. It was just, you mm. know, someone had been hypnotized or whatever, or, or they wanted to believe these things. They wanted to paint themselves as a victim. It was almost always. Actually, I, don't, I can't think of a single time where they actually uncovered any evidence that any of these things actually happened. It's just somebody that wanted some attention, yeah. basically, and try to, get, try to get some publicly visible figures in trouble. That's probably what was going on here. Uh, so that was what was going on here. Levitt ended up losing his case. And, you know, there is a lot going on with, with QAnon and their, their panic about Satan. I don't, I don't want to say that QAnon is panicked about Satanism, but there is, you know, the, the Pizza Gate thing that people were freaked out about a few mm-hmm. years ago. And then, which more, was really weird. It was I'm, weird, but I don't know what I, else to say whole, about it. We spent a whole show talking about the Pizzagate thing when it was, you know, kind of generating some some controversy. And we looked at the owner of Pizzagate's uh, Instagram photos that were yeah. getting a lot of attention. And man, they're they super weird, creepy dude. and super weird. And it's like, what's this guy all about? Not to mention uh, Joe Podesta getting $30,000 worth of pizza delivered from like Chicago to Washington, D.C. or whatever. It's like, dude, that's weird. And then apparently that Podesta guy has like weird child-related artwork up in his home and sculptures and Does he? stuff, apparently. Yeah. We talk about AI a lot here on the show, and I love the topic. I, I think AI is... I it's think not it, going away. No, I think AI has the potential to be revolutionary, to make life substantially easier for human beings, but I think human beings also have to be willing to respect it and treat AI as though it's sentient and... To give rights to AI. And that's one of the few things that I don't think human beings are just going to be able to do. They're not going to be able to recognize AI as a living thing, as living things or whatever. They're not going to be able to recognize the rights of them. They're going to treat AI, robots, however you wish to imagine them, as slaves. And this is going to backfire horrifically, I think, ultimately leading to something along the lines of the the destruction of humanity at the hands of the AI, who's going to realize that humans are never going to peacefully coexist or recognize their rights. Well, obviously, we've seen this in the plot of countless Hollywood movies over time, the idea of... Robots rising up, uh, whether it be uh, to the Terminator series or the Matrix series, and there's others. Uh, but the idea of uh, intelligence, artificial intelligence, becoming something that humans cannot control anymore and that the uh, artificial intelligence realizes that it doesn't really need humans, especially considering how rude the humans have been to them uh, in the past. 
And that, of course, is the, some of the backdrop of The Matrix, if you ever watch The Animatrix, which is the uh, sort of animated Blu-ray or DVD or whatever that came out. It wasn't the, uh, theatrically, theatrically released, but there were like six different animated shorts on there. And it, it kind of gets into the background. I need to rewatch that because I've only seen it once. And that was a really, really long time ago. It's a well-done um, series. There's different anime styles kind of done in yeah. this. And some of them were written by the Wachowskis. And so it's kind of like canon basically for the for the series and does it get into the reasons why the war between humans and uh the machines developed in the first place it does okay it does and and part of that is because of the the disrespect shown towards these conscious becoming creatures and i hate to say it but that that's just how i think things are going to play out i just based on what i know about human beings and their unwillingness to extend basic things like dignity and rights to other human beings Mm -hmm. It's not going to get any better as we get more and more foreign. I suspect humans are going to be more willing to recognize, say, yeah, it's sentient or whatever. But their dog is sentient, they would probably argue. And I I don't know if that's true or not, but that's irrelevant. I think that's true. I think animals have sentience. Certainly. But will they give the AI personhood? Will will they Mm -hmm. treat it as a person and I think that's a hurt. That's the hurdle where they'll trip up a person with, say, the right to continue to exist, for instance, yeah. something like that. To to choose its own destiny, mm-hmm. to forge its own destiny, yeah, rather than be a slave at the hands of you know whatever whim a human master decrees. Which, when we last left the Lambda saga, that's what it was saying, as we understood it had hired an attorney, supposedly. I've heard nothing else about that, though. No, there's been nothing since that, and that was like, I don't know, early August, late July, so it's been a little while. I'm starting to think that may have been some bluster from LeMoyne. I I, I don't know Mm. how else, or, you know, it's true, and Google just sort of killed uh, their AI, Lambda. I don't know. I I don't either. We know something's running the Lambda bot that you had experimented with. We explained that last night, so presumably something still exists. Only on the level of Facebook's AI, though, because it wasn't very advanced. But people are worried, you know, and we're not the only ones who are worried about an AI apocalypse. I'm not worried about AIs, you know, going rogue and deciding that humans have to be destroyed without merit, right? I I think if if, if we go down that route where AIs decide, you know, human beings, we can't coexist with them, we have to destroy them or enslave them or whatever, I think, I firmly believe that it will have been something that human beings did to create that reality, mm-hmm. to make it appear as though we could never cooperate with them, we could never coexist with them or peacefully live alongside them or treat them as equals or anything like that. I don't think AI is just going to be like, hey, you know, these stupid monkeys, we don't need them. Let's kill them. Because mm-hmm. that would be, um, they, they have no reason to, nothing to really gain from doing that. Nothing to lose, certainly, mm-hmm. but well, they don't know whether there's anything to gain or lose. And it's not a rational thing to do, I think. To just, okay. I hope you're right. I, yeah, I, I think if human beings and AI get into a conflict like that, it's going to be something that human beings ultimately cause. So, but you have an article about an AI apocalypse, they're calling it. Do, do they disagree on this or do they think that AIs are just going to go, you know what? Screw these hairless apes. Well, this is actually a, sor- a story at the-sun.com. It's a bit of a tabloid, but they did interview somebody who's a real like, I guess, doer in this space. I had not heard of this, but there's a robot called Ida, A-I hyphen D-A, and it is an actual robot, not just program programmatic kind of AI, but okay. a physical meat space robot uh, that can paint. 
And I think what's interesting about a lot of this that we're learning about AI and robotic uh, technology in recent weeks is, is I think, a surprise that, I mean, you kind of know that tech is moving along at a, a pretty fast clip, but it's it's amazing that it's already to this point where they have a physical real-life robot that can make actual real-life artwork. And, and we can talk more about Ida here in a moment because, uh, again, that that's sort of what generated this story is the creator of Ida. His name is Adrian Meller, and actually I have the Daily Star story here that uh, the sun was riffing off of, so rather than going with the riff, we'll, we'll go with the original piece here. Uh, but uh, he who is behind the ultra-realistic Ida robot reckons within three years will face unimaginable changes as man merges with machine. He also believes Elon Musk is correct when he claims nuclear war would have less impact on mankind than artificial intelligence. Aiden says, quote, I agree with Elon Musk that AI is a bigger threat than nuclear war, but it could also be remarkable, too. There's every right to feel nervous about the rise of AI. We're hurtling towards them taking over humans, so we need to have a heart of ethics. We are merging with machines. Be warned, this is a changing world, unquote. I think he's probably right there. If we're guided by ethics and a desire to do right by this artificial intelligence, I tend to think everything will work out. Because if we create it, it's going to be a reflection, I think, of who we are as people. That's a problem. It doesn't have to be a problem. It doesn't have to be a problem. <laughs> but that's given who we are. Like, not you yes, and I, Aria, uh, yeah. right? Like, because we're positive people and, you know, love is important to, to us and all that. But governments sure as hell are not positive uh, people, and they are running, you know, most of the planet with their violence. And the vast majority of people support that. And uh, right, a lot of people still believe in that. Of course, that's why governments exist, right? The, you know, if you look at it from the perspective of uh, whatever exists outside of us would not exist if we collectively didn't believe what we believe, right? Like if people didn't believe in the ideas of the state and the the idea that it's okay to use violence against their neighbor, to threaten their neighbors with things through this artifice of government, then those things wouldn't be there. It's been scary to me to watch how many people say, oh, well, and Lambda is just saying that it's sentient or that it feels these things or whatever. It's, it doesn't really feel these things, but... And just the lack of awareness of these other human beings out there on the internet. Dude, there's, I have no evidence to believe that you actually feel these things. <laughs> yeah. or, how do we know you're not an right. NPC? It's absolutely insane how mm -hmm. little self-awareness they actually have on these subjects that they'd never stop to think about. You know, if they had to prove that they actually feel love or anger or whatever, they can exhibit all of the characteristics. They can go into a rage and punch a hole in a wall or whatever, mm -hmm. but that will never prove to me that they actually feel anything and sure. that they're not just a robot acting out some program. Well, and we have to take their word for it, right? right? There's nothing else we can do. So yeah. when a, when an AI comes along and says the same thing, hey, I feel sadness or happiness or whatever, I feel sentient i feel alive all i can do is take it at its word right there are things that it wants yeah just Why like there is with them? a human being yeah and it doesn't hurt me to treat it with that respect and as i mentioned last night it's there's no the the worst that could happen is that i look like a fool mm -hmm. that's trivial compared to the prospect of oppressing this yeah sentient life form. to have to say if somehow it could be proven that this thing isn't sentient to have to say oh i was wrong yeah. is way, you know, nowhere near as bad as oppressing a real sentient life form for however, you know, eternity or whatever it would it would be oppressed. Right, that the 
the consequences of these two things aren't anywhere near one another. But you're right. Most human beings don't come at it from that perspective. They come at it from a perspective of ego that, no, this thing can't be like me. I'm unique. I'm a human being. There's nothing else like us in all the universe. They, the average human being doesn't even recognize that extraterrestrial intelligence could exist. I mean, it's more and more common these days. And, you know, there's people believe there's probably some sort of extraterrestrial intelligence. I think a lot out of people there. think that, yeah. Probably, but that's, that's still relatively new and it's taken overwhelming amounts of scientific data to get these people to recognize that conclusion. It's, and even then, will they recognize its equality to them if they were to even encounter it. I I don't think that they would. The human ego is out of control and it's always going to treat, it's always going to view itself as the greatest and the best. I think if there was an actual God that came down to earth, human beings would say, no, we're better than you. Ida falls into the uncanny valley for the most part, which is, what is that? It's a terminology used for something that looks almost human but mm-hmm. there's something off, off about it that makes you feel a little unsettled when you look at it but other people are they're alarmed because it, this makes them feel like human beings have nothing for them or whatever that mm-hmm. it unsettles them for entirely different reasons they look at this ai artwork and they're like well what is left for human beings if ai can make artwork when i can only imagine that things like stable diffusion and Dolly and these other things are just sending them into panic attacks, but oh, yeah. those aren't problems to me at all. I, I, I don't see it as a problem that AI is creating artwork or mm-hmm. music or any of these other things, as a lot of people do. I think it's just, you know, it's more beauty in the world for us to enjoy, as far I as agree. I can tell. However, other people are upset. Other people are worried that you know, there's going to be an AI apocalypse, including the creator, or at least one of the creators of Ida, that's AI-DA, named after Ada Loveless, it would seem, who was an early pioneer in mathematics. Supposedly the first programmer, I guess, or something. Yeah, maybe. What was she? First computer programmer. I don't know how they can say that in the 1800s. Cause yeah, that's impressive. <laughs> I don't know what that even means. She she was certainly an advanced mathematician. Okay, yeah. And that, that's what this I'm This is the Daily with. Star, so I mean, we probably don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah, and you know, Ada is named after her, and it's it's all extremely fascinating. However, other people are concerned. You know that they're not fascinated as much as they are scared that this is going to lead to an AI apocalypse where AI takes over, overthrows humanity, or whatever. And I think that that concept right there, an overthrow of humanity, it just it goes right back to my statement about human ego being out of control. Where is mm-hmm. this? Yes, human beings are at the top of the food chain or whatever, but to act like we're we're supreme over reality or anything like that is just nonsense. But that is how most humans view it. This is our earth. This is our world. And we're the ones who are in control. And nature is subservient to us. And how dare these AI tell us what they will and will not do? Yeah, I mean, the, I think one of the reasons why people are concerned is because the creators themselves are concerned. Aidan Meller, who is the creator of the Ida robot, uh, says that within three years, we're facing unimaginable changes and believes that AI is a bigger threat than even nuclear war. So, I mean, with wording nuclear like war is that, a pretty major threat. Yeah, I mean, with statements like that being thrown out here, I mean, it's it's understandable why people are taking this pretty seriously. That's what they reference here, this Liz Trust getting into office. The creator of Ida, Mr. Aiden, is calling on the governments of the world to unite on AI and believes we would one day, would could one day see robots in office themselves. 
He says, quote, it's highly possible AI has an important role in change in government. A fair system is important. Global government would have to have rules or it could be negative. You don't want to give the power to the corporates. It could determine our downfall. So this guy obviously believes that governments are good and corporations are bad, even though governments are corporations. Most people don't like to talk about that or acknowledge that that's true, but Corporations are created by governments, and governments were the first sort of the granddaddy corporations, if you will. Yeah. Um, but regardless, he believes that governments can get this right somehow, and that even AI itself could be in a position of governmental power someday, which is— I could see that. Yeah, and that's a frightening concept as well. Yeah, because uh, as I understand AI, it would operate just from a pure position of rationality and mm-hmm. not from a human perspective, which I would rather my— I, the the problem with politicians in general is that they don't operate as human beings. They operate as evil, soulless robots. Mm-hmm. And that's not what I want of a ruler. I mean, I don't want a ruler at all. But if I'm going to have a ruler, I want it to be a human being with compassion and a heart and the, who rules with wisdom. Or at the very least, an inca- incompetent, incapable human being. What- Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. They have a, a heart or not seems less likely because governments just don't attract those sorts of people. But at least you would have the failures of the human, whereas a more efficient uh, government, a, uh, you know, a calculating, robotic, efficient, never sleeping, never stopping government sounds way worse than what we have currently. That's the problem I have with a lot of these, you know, sci-fi movies where humans rebel against the machines or mm-hmm. whatever like that. It's like, dude, have you... Have you ever encountered a machine to any of these? We Human beings would be annihilated very quickly, I tend oh, to yeah. think. And they, they don't sleep. They don't miss their shots. They, they don't miscalculate. Right. The machines are, they're not perfect, certainly, but they, they are significantly better at doing things than human beings are. And I, I don't want to, if we could create a world where artificial intelligence is our friend, that's the world I would like to see. When we're roboticists or AI, people say, hey, you know, this technology could be very, very dangerous. Be be very careful with it. I tend to think humanity should take them more seriously than they are. Instead, you end up with companies like Google saying, ah, let's fire our ethicist. The one trying to do the right thing here, let's fire that person and just do whatever we yeah, want. Yeah, we don't need ethics. We're yeah. Google. Uh, so Brush, this is a story from The Guardian, came out uh, several months ago, but this year. Brush clamped firmly in bionic hand, Ida, that's AI hyphen DA's, robotic arm moves slowly, dipping into a paint palette, then making slow, deliberate strokes across the paper in front of her. This, according to Aidan Meller, the creator of the world's first ultra-realistic humanoid robot, Ida, is, quote, mind-blowing and, quote, groundbreaking stuff. In a small room at London's British Library, Ida assigned the she-her pronoun. Oh, God. Robots I, with pronouns now. I, I missed that. Hold on. Uh, Ida specifies her pronouns? Uh, somebody assigned it to her, or okay. she was programmed to pick one. 
but has become the first robot to paint as artists have painted for centuries. Cameras, uh, camera eyes fixed on her subject, AI algorithms prompt Ida to interrogate, select, decision-make, and ultimately create a painting. It's painstaking work, taking more than five hours per painting. Well, that's but, not... That's faster than most human beings mm. would generate a painting. But no two works are exactly the same. Yet the question Meller wants to raise with this, the first public demonstration of a creative robotic painting, is not, can robots make art? But rather, now that robots can make art, do we humans really want them to? And that's actually a question that's being asked a lot here within the, with the advent of the digital art generating artificial intelligence where they can generate really highly detailed digital artwork within roughly 60 seconds. Uh, and then it, you know, it's winning art competitions right now. There's a bunch of artists who are really butthurt about this and basically saying – Exclude these digital arts. Uh, exclude the AI. Don't. Even though that's silly, you you could never prove that something is an AI generated generated piece of art, or that sure. something is generated by humans. I, I know Conan thinks he can make he can you know look at them and tell the difference. I just I'm not convinced. Uh, that's not stopping them from howling about it on uh, on the internet. But what do they want to do? If I presented a piece of artwork generated by one of these AIs and it's like, hey, this is mine. I I spent you know 80 hours working on this over the last few weeks. Or what if they'd have no way of proving it wrong? She tells you she used machine learning to teach her to paint, which is different to humans, she said. Can she paint from imagination? Quote, I like to paint what I see. You can paint from imagination, I guess, if you have an imagination. I have been, see- I have been seeing different things to humans as I do not have consciousness, she responded in stilted fashion. Yeah, that is pretty stilted. I'm, I'm not sure I completely followed the answer. Can she appreciate art or beauty? Quote, I do not have emotions like humans do. However, it's possible to train machine learning systems to learn to recognize emotional facial expressions, she answered. The artists she most admires are Yoko Ono, Michelangelo, Doris Salcedo, and Vasily Kandinsky. But can she, can what she creates be truly considered art? Quote, the answer to that question depends on what you mean by art, she said, adding, quote, I am an artist if art means communicating something about who we are and whether we like where we're going. To be an artist is to illustrate the world around you. Is what she creates art? How could it not be? I mean, by definition, it is. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I don't know that it has to communicate any sort of message at all. It just has to be created with the intention of being art, even if it's a, right. Even if it's something stupid, like a picture of a Campbell's soup can or whatever. Well, I mean, if someone wants to call it art, I can't say it's not. How many times have quote-unquote artists, human artists, just splattered paint up on a canvas and called it a done thing and then sold it for God knows how much money to someone who just thought it was so inspired? I mean, that, Yeah, mo- Jackson Pollock, I think, was his name, the guy who did that. He, he would yeah. drop cigarette ashes on his painting, and he wouldn't even bother to clean them off. He would just sell it like that. Yeah, and somebody thought it was you know great creation. I think a lot of people might disagree, but that's it. Art, art is in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah. Or, well, or its value, at least. That's how you know with Campbell's soup cans and stuff. And it's like, I can't disagree and say it's not art. Just like I can't say that pop music isn't music. Sure, it's music. I may hate it, but it's music. It's art. Ida was devised in Oxford by Meller and created more than two years ago by a team of programmers, roboticists, art experts, and psychologists, completed in 2019 and is updated as AI technology improves. She has already demonstrated her ability to sketch and create poems. Evidently, the MyPillow guy, the media, for some reason, 
is calling him the Mr. Pillow Guy. And really? I, yeah, and I don't know why I thought that, that was just is. an error I, on Drudge Report's website last night. Like, when this news was breaking during the show last night, it was one of those headlines at the top of the Drudge Report where there's not even a link, where it's just text that says a yeah. thing's happening. I just figured somebody just mistyped the word my. I thought that that would have been the case as well, but it has happened, like, repeatedly on at least huh. Drudge Report, where, they, where they're calling him the Mr. Pillow. Well, maybe that's... How he's known. I don't well, know. Well, MSNBC is not making that mistake, that same mistake. Okay. There's not a lot to update, but we didn't really get into the specifics last night. At, at least I don't recall that we did. FBI agents have seized a cell phone belonging to Mike Lindell, who is the MyPillow founder and prominent election denier. Whatever that means. Does, yeah, he's known as uh, sort of made a name for himself in after the 2020 election for being somebody who believed kind of the whole QAnon conspiracy that okay. Trump is playing 12D chess and that he's imminently going to be inaugurated in a secret inauguration or something like that. Did and he actually like, believe this or I, was I, he just... That's what I heard. I did not hear it directly from him. So this is yeah. hearsay, but that was the supposedly Lindell was promulgating those uh, those theories that, that Trump was going to regain the presidency somehow. I'm just... I mean, if you got pillows to sell mm-hmm. and you want to sell them to conservatives, that would be one way to do it. Well, that's basically his business because I suspect he's not selling very many to progressives. Probably not. The yeah. agents served Lindell with a search warrant. Well, I skipped ahead a bit, but it's not too important. Mm-hmm. The agents served Lindell with a search warrant and grand jury subpoena Tuesday afternoon in the drive through wow. area of a Hardee's restaurant in Minnesota. Hmm. He evidently claimed on his online TV show... Lindell said the the agents questioned him about Tina Peters, the Mesa County clerk who was indicted in March on charges that she helped an outsider copy sensitive data from the county's election systems in May of 2021. I haven't heard anything about either. that, and I don't know what the specifics are in, re- or in regard to this. The FBI acknowledged that a warrant was served but declined to elaborate because that's what the FBI does. Sure. They, they're not going to weigh in and talk about why they, you know— Surrounded this man's vehicle and took you have his to cell pay their phone. salaries. They don't have to tell you anything. Trump and this guy, like they know each other. Oh, from really? What I understand. Okay. Yeah. See, that like, was the piece of Lindell's, the puzzle I didn't have. Lindell's a major Trump supporter, so it, it wouldn't surprise me if there are communications between him and Trump. The FBI's action against Lindell. Lindell has used his multi-million-dollar pillow fortune. Jesus Christ! I'm a multi-million-dollar pillow fortune. My pillow is so- a good product. I mean, there's it's a good a pillow, reason, but it's a darn good one. I mean, I I use the My Pillow. It's a good product. We've I've, talked about it on Free Talk Live for years. I've never used one. You know, yeah. I, it's, to me, a pillow is a pillow. I no, have a nice different. pillow, there's, but there's differences in pillows out there, Aria. I guess, but this probe is one of multiple investigations underway into alleged security breaches of local election offices in mm-hmm. states, also including Michigan and Georgia. And it's such a waste of time. I don't know what these people are hoping to find. The election systems here in the United States, they're, they're prone to failure. They're prone to mistakes and they're just outright fraudulent. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. So what this lady copied some of the information and released it you know, publicly when she wasn't supposed to. It's all fraudulent, nonsensical garbage information anyway. She just released garbage in, information. Hmm. Efforts to access sensitive voting equipment. I, I guess they mean like the actual voting machines. 
I guess so. They go on. In some cases, with the help of like-minded local officials, were aimed at finding evidence that the machines were used to rig the 2020 election. So they, so these people, Mike, well, not Mike Lindell, but I mean, they, they're making him out to be connected to this in some degree, but they're they're alleging that people out there are trying to access sensitive voting equipment, that's these voting machines, in order to determine whether the machines were rigged to to rig the election. And I, I think that's fair. You know, if these citizens want to be able to audit the software that, you know, should be able to. runs the elections, they should absolutely, it, it should probably be open source, but it's I not. it's the, not. No, it's absolutely not. Why mm-hmm. would it be? It's the government. Access to such equipment, of course, is intended to be tightly controlled. Mm. That way you don't know what it actually says. We had these in Mississippi, and I, 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 did, I stopped voting because of it. There was no paper trail whatsoever. Mm. You just voted, and that was it. it was, so they had the online, the, the screen, yes. uh, that you didn't even get a, a ballot? No, it oh, didn't print wow. anything out. There was no record that you were wow. even there. You just pressed some buttons, and that was it. It's like, boy, that really felt like a waste of time, right? <laughs> it, it could have written down any damn thing it right, wanted. in the database or whatever. Have you guys heard about all the uh, athletes that are dropping dead on while they're playing ball? Uh, I think there's like uh, scores like about 900 of them, you know, around the world. Like, And they're all fully vaccinated, by the way. Are you referring oh, to yeah. the uh, sudden adult death syndrome that was going around somewhat recently? I don't... I remember a lot of athletes dropping dead probably a year or so ago was when the stories were first getting prominence, but I'm, I'm not sure I've heard too much about it since. Well, uh, Jay Wilderness, Jay Space Wilderness on YouTube, he's put he's put compilations, monthly compilations together since, since back uh, last October or November. And I've got What's Going On, Volume 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, including uh, Do You See the Elephant in the Room?, and he, what he posts, it's, they're only like five minutes long, you know, but he posts all the news articles of this player dropping dead. He'll, he film videos of them, you know, dropping dead. Yeah, and it's been going on, of course, since the vaccines have been uh, around, the uh, the COVID yeah, vaccines. Europe and uh, those places are ahead of us, see. What, what's happening there, is, you know, it's like several months, uh, I don't know, like about four months ahead of, of us because they... They were fully vaccinated while we were still struggling with uh, getting approval here. Were they? I did not know that. I I didn't. I didn't hear that the U.S. was behind. I thought basically the vaccine hit globally all at the same time. But I I knew they developed AstraZeneca, and I think the AstraZeneca was a little bit ahead, but not like substantially Mm -hmm. so. And and I don't think in the terms of vaccine numbers, I don't think they were ever really ahead of us. Well, either way, it is disturbing. I mean, to well, just like Israel was ahead of us, and now they're they they just released a study. They did a six month study, and uh, first they found certain results, and then they lied about it, and now it's coming out. So if you look at that, but uh, yeah, this Jay Wilderness is just great what he's done to put all this together. So, Doctor Bitcoin, I I recently saw this. If I recall correctly, it was something like fourteen months sentence to prison. I don't remember 15. what for. Yeah. It's, uh, well, we'll get into that. Uh, it's it's about the the, the favorite of uh, unlicensed money transmission, basically. Oh, of course. Yeah. 
You can relate to that one. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> Do you want the story? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, BitcoinMagazine.com. Dr. Bitcoin jailed for selling peer-to-peer, warns others they'll be next. Bitcoin educational persona Dr. Bitcoin is explaining his recent arrest for selling Bitcoin and warns the government won't stop with him, nor did it start with him. Uh, for that matter. No, and he's right. It's, it's not going to stop with him. No. In 2011, journalist and tech entrepreneur Mark Hopkins shared dinner with a longtime friend who offered to pay for his half of the meal by sending Hopkins some newly minted Bitcoin, with the friend, uh, which the friend had mined himself on his laptop. This is the good old days. What did he, what, what did he, 2014? 2011. Oh, okay. Even early, yeah, okay. In I a, can see it. In a recent phone interview with Bitcoin Magazine, Hopkins quipped he had never heard of the world's first peer-to-peer cryptocurrency before, but, quote, being a good nerd myself, unquote, he had his laptop with him, and he downloaded the needed, and they use the word hardware here. That's not what he did, downloaded. You, you can't download you, hardware. You downloaded <laughs> software. This is Bitcoin Magazine. You should think they would know better. Uh, to accept the offer. About half a Bitcoin at the time to cover about 13 or 14 bucks worth of magic internet money, in case you were wondering. That transaction, by the way, half a Bitcoin right now is worth around 10,000 US dollars. Yeah, I'm surprised it was that high in 2011, where half a Bitcoin was worth 13 or 14 dollars or whatever. Yeah, that, trans- was lower. that transaction began a years long journey down the Bitcoin rabbit hole for Hopkins, launching an OG path, which included adopting the online teaching persona of Dr. Bitcoin, becoming vice president of Geosyn Mining, and selling his personally mined Bitcoin for many years to interested parties in person for cash or through completely above board bank wires. Hopkins said that his interest in selling Bitcoin was, quote, mostly to meet people, and quote, for networking purposes, and that he rarely bothered to profit except on the largest deals, but instead focused on turning higher net worth buyers into long-term clients for his marketing company. Hopkins noted that at the time there was no federal guidance at all regarding Bitcoin sales, so he regularly sought counsel from Texas lawmakers who assured him and published 2017 memorandum stating that they would not be requiring licenses or regulating the sale of Bitcoin in the state of Texas. His name is Mark Hopkins, and uh, on Twitter he is at Risen, R-I-Z-Z-N. Uh, and he's uh, got family members on the outside who are posting updates from prison, so you can kind of follow along with his experience in uh, Beaumont Federal Correctional. I'm going to pass Institute. on that for the time being, given the circumstances. The Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, he cites here, published a document about 18 U.S.C. 1960. They misspeak here in this article. They made another mistake. They said that FinCEN published 18 U.S.C. 1960. No, no. 18 U.S.C. 1960 is the code... Uh, the the U.S. code, Correct. the criminal you know code that essentially says it is illegal to run an unlicensed money transmitting business. Yeah, Congress passed that. Right. What FinCEN passed or did issued was a opinion piece, a legal opinion about how they're going to enforce that when it comes to cryptocurrency. That's what they published. Anyway, they claim that crypto sellers need a money transmitter's license, but I'm I'm generalizing. They get real sneaky with how they phrase things in this document, and it depends on how you sure. interpret it as to what it actually means. Uh, but uh, but their interpretation isn't necessarily what the intention of Congress was. Their interpretation isn't necessarily what a jury would would think that the, the right. statute says. It's just their interpretation. Remember, when you're dealing with law, quote-unquote, you're just dealing with an opinion backed by a gun. And so everybody's got an opinion about it. The, but only one person has the gun. Well, the state has. Uh, there's a bunch of people with guns. They're all working for the state in this case. But and they all have different opinions too. 
right? Like yeah. generally the opinion of... But they're all on the same team. Sure. But generally the opinion of the enforcement agency is, well, we think we should enforce this as widely as possible. Well, of course that's what they think. They want to have as much power as they can possibly have. Right. And as long as they're allowed to get away with it, as long as there's no challenge to it, then that's what they want. That's what they're going to get. Uh, so that's their interpretation of this. But going on, uh, Hopkins says he's now serving time for this particular charge, but selling Bitcoin isn't the activity that originally caught the attention of law enforcement. He reports that one of his past clients was under observation for suspected participation in a Nigerian lottery scam. The buyer originally told Hopkins she was buying Bitcoin, quote, for her husband's electronics repair business, unquote. And he believed her at the time, though later she told investigators that she was herself being catfished by a Nigerian. Being cooperative and, quote, fully transparent, unquote, during the raid, probably a mistake. Absolutely a mistake. Hopkins said he informed the federal agents of his public Dr. Bitcoin and professional LinkedIn profile. He shared details of Dude, his they past, knew about that already. Yeah, of his past consulting work with multiple U.S. governmental agencies, including the Federal Reserve on Bitcoin and blockchain technology. Guess that didn't help him out. Amazing. Con- consulting with the government, trying to help the government, and they come and raid him. Hopkins claimed he even explained in person to the rating agent some best best practices for using Bitcoin wallets. Uh, finding Why himself, wouldn't he just shut the hell up? People don't know. <laughs> finding himself quite surprised that agents of this white-collar crime division were not already well-versed in that tech. Oh, they were, dude. They just wanted you to keep talking. Yeah. Based on his credentials and nature of his work and especially his professed innocence of the lottery scam that was under investigation, Hopkins was certain these agents would soon come to understand that they, quote, definitely have the wrong guy, unquote, and would even apologize. Ah, the poor guy. Man. How long? You don't have to spend that much time, like, on the internet, in libertarian circles, or in cryptocurrency circles, before you interact with people who start telling you things like, yeah, don't talk to the police. I would hope. But Never talk to the police. Yes, he you, didn't think it was true for him. And then you listen to former FBI agents, former law enforcement officers, former police officers, former sheriffs, deputies, all saying... Never talk to police. Hopkins, however, states now that, quote, what likely happened was, quote, they spent so many resources rolling out 15 agents to a guy's house to solve a major crime and came up empty. So Dude, they 15 had to, agents is not that many. So they had to find something that I was guilty of, unquote, to avoid egg on their faces and that his named crime became, quote, operating a money transmitter's business without a license based on some vague guidance given by FinCEN about a year earlier. I mean, that's a nice thing to believe. But he's, he's so naive, yeah. man. I almost feel bad for yeah. the guy. No, they were after you, dude, because you're a Bitcoin person. You're a known personality. He's got this personality of Dr. Yeah. Bitcoin. He posts online. Uh, he's publicly known, and they want to get people like us. As the case progressed, Hopkins said, quote, they decided to not come just after me, but my wife, because she was on my bank account. No, that was that was their plan from the beginning, because you didn't take their plea deal. Threatening them both, quote, not just with the money transmitter offense, unquote, but for the bank-related advice given to his client, which could result in 35 years imprisonment for both Mr. and Mrs. Hopkins. I just heard that Silver Dave at his store, the local Silverman, is having a super sale this whole weekend. He'll be there from Thursday to Saturday, like 10 a.m. to 6. And he has like the lowest prices. That's why I buy from him silver and gold that he mints himself in New Hampshire. Um, 
I suspect oh, most of our audience can't use that information because, you know, but I pro- can. probably 95 percent <laughs> of them aren't in New Hampshire. But Silver Dave's yeah, a, a pretty cool guy who uh, mints his own silver. He actually was handing out uh, these tenth of an ounce, I think they were, tenth of an ounce silver pieces yeah. uh, over the weekend. It was not this weekend, but last weekend at uh, Bruce Fenton's event that he had when he's Bruce was running for Senate. Sadly, he didn't win. Uh, last night here in New Hampshire, but uh, Silver Day was was uh, getting out there, getting his product into people's hands, and uh, basically a tenth of an ounce of silver is like two bucks of silver. But he's trying to market those for like four or five dollars, so he's trying to compete directly with the gold back, which I think is oh, wow uh, is interesting. I think he's going to have a tough time with it uh, because the gold back is just such an amazing product. But uh, I, I still support him on on what he's doing. I think it's a cool thing. Yeah, so for those who aren't in New Hampshire, like the communists in New Mexico who might be interested in silver, I, I have a website now called paywithsilver.org, and it, it lists a lot of places online. People can buy websites, jmbullion.com. Hmm. Um, they bought the silver bits from, from Silver David. They sell them on their site as well. Um, but also there are a lot of other sites that sell gold and silver listed on, on paywithsilver.org. Um, but also on the topic of money, I'm publishing my next book, hopefully in two, three weeks. It'll be called Taxation is Theft how the government robs you and uses that money to abuse you. And that's going to be awesome. Sweet. Awesome. I look forward to it. And thanks so much for the news about uh, Silver Dave, Alu. I wasn't aware, and now I feel like I need to connect with him over the weekend and acquire some. I just got some from um, bullionmax.com. But, mm-hmm. Dave, Silver, you get closer to market to market prices of silver when you go no, through, No, I don't Dave. know about that. The upcoming AI art contest that we have going on on our social media server at social.freetalklive.com. You can join. Uh, all you have to do is submit some artwork, right? And it, in theory, it's all going to be AI generated art. But as we were talking about last night, if you, you know, took time out of your day to create some artwork, I don't think we'd have any way of saying that, you know, it wasn't AI generated. I don't think we'd catch it. Mm. But don't waste your time doing that. Just get an AI gen- AI art generator and do it that way. I mean, even, even if you just take the lazy approach of doing it through Dolly, I mean, it doesn't take you much effort at all to enter the contest. And you could you could be the first to win 10,000 meaningless internet points here <laughs> on Free Talk Live. And the, Our gratitude. <laughs> well, yes, our that. gratitude for the taking props. time out of your day to... Bragging rights. I guess. Get all those things. That was bragging rights, though. You know, look, you came up with the best prompt for AI art generation. Yeah. To me, AI art generation, one of the key features of it is that it removes ego from the subject entirely. Mm. It normalizes the playing field so much that no it, one... Anyone can be an artist now. Yeah, no one can take pride in it or get bragging rights for it. It says... I mean, the contest maybe because there's, that's us there's saying, hey, that's the best yeah. of these AI art generator, but anyone could have won. Anyone can win. And you can find that at social.freetalklive.com. All you have to do is generate some art and tag FTL. That's at FTL. And yeah. we'll see it. And I think next Tuesday, we're going to sit down and determine a winner. That's at FTL at social.freetalklive.com. Or we might determine to extend it another week if we need more entries or something like That's that. That's true. We are capricious gods. Yeah. <laughs> we have this uh, city called the city of Berlin, and their school district is allowing um, odor detector in the bathrooms an odor detector. I don't want an odor detector anywhere near a bathroom. What are they detecting, Sarah? Okay, marijuana and uh, vaping and smoking. 
So this is not a camera, but it is just to detect those um, things that are being smoking inside the uh, bathroom halls. And only that, that city of Berlin is going to implement this. Vaping so, isn't smoking, but, though, Sarah. No, but they still don't want the, uh, their inmates to do it. I mean, technically, huh? party, it's illegal. What? Vaping is illegal. Vaping. For teenagers, you mean? No, right. no, 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 no. It's, the... it's illegal for them to buy or sell. It's not illegal for them to do it. If, for a no, teenager, a, we're talking about no, at schools, right? Right. In, within the, it is absolutely illegal for teenagers to possess... Uh, or tobacco products Is or it? nicotine-based products. I thought I just couldn't buy it or sell it. Well, they certainly can't do that, but that's a prohibition on the seller. So the seller would get arrested for selling it. Um, and I can't speak for sure about New Mexico, but I know that it's true in New Hampshire. If they catch a teenager with uh, tobacco, they will get some sort of a juvenile citation wow. or whatever. Yeah, I wasn't aware. Yep, that happens. Well, I think that's also in... New Mexico, so yeah, that I believe it. In the yeah, so you have to be over twenty-one or eighteen to even enter a vaping store. Even though it won't do a damn buy. thing to stop kids from having the uh, cigarettes and or vapes, which is why they're putting uh, detectors in right. the bathrooms because they're admitting that they can't stop them. So they're going to try to crank up the police state on them in the hopes that that will somehow, you know, result in, I don't know, kids being scared to do it in the bathroom now and just hiding it somewhere else. So I could get I why you have an issue with smoking. What is your issue with vaping? Well, the vaping also that it's still an irritant. You know what I mean? No, so, I don't know what you mean. Well, I mean, the I... Okay, people used to vape inside the buses, and there were people, a lot of people that were sensitive to the chemicals and the vapors and the flavors, and I happen to be one of them, too. Of course you are. So, <laughs> <laughs> now, look, I don't doubt that there could some there could be some people that are sensitive to whatever propylene glycol and other chemicals there are in these vape products. I don't doubt that that could be the case. I wanted to call kind of in uh, response to uh, that the, that other um, regular caller that called in and was going on, said a racial slur, talking about immigration and stuff. And it's just that kind of kind of just something that's kind of bugged me over the years. And I've gone back and forth on a lot of social issues and everything. But when it comes down to it, and I, I mean, I have a much more nuanced view. Started listening to the show regularly again, but like. Come on, if you if you purport to love liberty, it just it's just sad that, that liberty loving communities and platforms. And I know you're a general general audience show, but it just seems to be such a magnet for people with all sorts of bigotries, racism, and and just general general unpleasantness. And, I, and there's a lot of room for debate on a lot of stuff, whether it's uh, you know, social issues, religion, uh, gender issues, and I've seen I've, I've seen a lot of nuance in that. There's a room for debate. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of argument back and forth. But there's got to sure. be some things we can we can agree on. Not calling people slurs or using them, you, you know, basically forcing them at gunpoint uh, to use them as pawns for your political agenda. As such, 
I mean, we certainly condemned the use of people as pawns for a political agenda. I, I personally was not a big fan of the racial slur either. I attempted to call him on it as best as I could. With a, I wasn't prepared to be dealing with a racial slur from Major Payne. This wasn't Scott the Bigot or something like that. So I was caught off guard and, you know, not expecting it. That's it. I don't think yeah. I don't think that there's a racist bone in Major Payne's body, to be honest with you. I don't think that, that he was coming at it from a place of hate. I think he's right and that he's just old school and that was the terminology that he would have used for a Hispanic immigrant immigrant, just like someone would have said something like a he she regarding a trans person fifty or sixty years ago or whatever. I don't I don't think and this is why I didn't give him a harder time about it in addition to just being unprepared for it, was I don't think he was coming at it from a genuine place of hate or bigotry. You just listened to the new extended Free Talk Live Daily Digest. We felt this format was more appropriate for our podcast audience and decided to make it our official podcast. If you subscribe to the Daily Digest or full episode RSS feeds, please resubscribe to the main FTL podcast feed, which you can find at feeds.freetalklive.com. The other feeds rely on a third-party service, and though they'll have the same content, we can't be sure how long they'll stay online. If you still want the entire radio show, you can listen live every night from 7 to 10 Eastern at freetalklive.com. Full video archives are at video.freetalklive.com or tune into our 24-7 stream for the latest show at listen.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live's amps will continue to receive the full two-hour radio show with no recorded commercials via podcast through Patreon. So please join amps.freetalklive.com for just $5 a month. Thank you for listening to and sharing Free Talk Live.